or vice versa, right? Like if you're spending late hours at work and then you're thinking, oh, I should be playing with my children right now. It's Saturday or it's Sunday afternoon. I probably should be doing that. Yeah. So as long as you have that dichotomy, I think you have a conflict inherently. The only way to solve that riddle is actually to get out of it and elevate into a higher purpose. Welcome to Agency Life. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here. We met in Dublin four, maybe five years ago, right? Something like that, yes. What were you over in Dublin for again? Remind me. Actually, I went to the Web Summit when it was still there. I think it was the last year that was Oh, right. There yeah, and now it's moving. in Lisbon. Yeah. Mm. yeah, it was the last year in Dublin. Fantastic. Tell me all about how you got into this a crazy, crazy world of agency life. Well, how did I get started with the agency? I actually I got started as a consumer. I was a marketer. I had a company that got acquired in the construction business back in 2006 or so, 2007 I sold and I became the marketing director for this company in Atlanta. Big crisis came 2008 and the only way to sell something was online. Wow. <laughs> so I was forced I was forced into inbound marketing and learned everything about it after 2 years of working acquiring customers online then I said you know what let's do this for a living because we have a feeling for it and we're good at it and people started asking me you know hey can you do the same thing for our company and and so we decided to divest and set up an agency. Amazing. What kind of clients do you work with now? Right now, we're focused exclusively on software companies. Mm. So SaaS, software as a service, and in all their flavors and, and shapes, uh, but exclusive to that niche. Beautiful. How, how many is in the company? What's the size of the... Right now, monthly? we're at 20, and probably by the end of the month, we'll be 24 Spread, spread out all over the world or yes completely remote spread all over yep you were doing that for a while beforehand right correct yes yeah. you've been running a remote agency for a long time we were born remote yes and I, I don't that. think I'll ever move to to an office uh, <laughs> so yeah so your challenges last year weren't uh, some of the typical ones about figuring out how to work remote and things like that. What well, what was it like last year? What what was sort of some of the things that were happening with your clients? Well, actually, last year we had more of a mix. We were like probably sixty percent software, forty percent the old legacy clients that have been with us for years. And the only thing that the the crisis, you know, the the pandemic did is accelerate the transformation into software because I mean that's we saw. We saw the um, software world just exploding. and But I mean, I, when it just all started, we saw a few clients actually departing, like saying, hey, you know what? Like my business has gone to hell. I mean, we had a, a few, a couple of bricks and mortars clients that they were pretty sizable. And they said, you know what? We had to pause this. Yeah. So I see, I saw a revenue drop of like 30% in the agency wow. from one day to the next. But we said, you know what, let's get our heads together. How do we actually use this as an opportunity to accelerate on the on the SaaS world, which as we have been always wanting to do. And, yeah. and that's what we did. So we use it as a uh, propeller, you know, to really refocus and re-energize. What kind of things did you do differently, Eduardo? Well, we happened to have a really good relationship with the G2. And uh, they published an article, I remember, 
of like the top segments that they're seeing growth in from just visits to the G2. And as you can imagine, like all teleconferencing, telecommunications was like top of the list. Right. Telemedicine was right after and so forth. And um, so, you know what, let's just get a campaign specifically focused on challengers uh, in the in the telecom areas. Uh, so competitors to Zoom, like if you're, Zoom was eating up the pie, like yeah. probably 80, 90% of the entire demand went to Zoom. Everyone, which is crazy. It was like, crazy how that happened. Do do we kind of know what led to that? Was it because a lot of companies were using Zoom and then they would teach their families? What was that success about? Well, Zoom had the particularity. <laughs> I remember, remember at the beginning they had security issues and all that. Yes. Zoom was a solution was extremely simple. Extremely yeah. simple to adopt. You know, send a link. Your grandma can pop in on a browser yeah. and you're on the screen with her so easy at the cost of security i mean honestly it was like unsecure anybody could pop in and, and get into your call but mm. i mean they improved that over time but that yeah. was you know what i think was that security flaw allowed them to simplify the product in an amazing way and you see next thing you know they're fixing the issues i mean i think they have overcome all those challenges by now but the market's taken i mean people just stuck with it you know that's right. Yeah, it's hard to move over. Been using it for a very long time. I can't imagine. Yeah. Moved. For, I was Skype for a long time, and then moved over to Zoom. You figured out quite a few things in the agency. I'd love to talk to you more about it. About tying together your inner purpose with your work. Talk to me a bit more about that. That that sounds really really interesting. Yeah. So well, this struggle that we all seem to have at some point in our lives, right? And, uh, hey, should I be, like, dedicating my life to my career or my family? Yeah. <laughs> as long as that dichotomy is present in your life, I think you have to sit back and, and, and consider reformulating the purpose. The problem is on the existence of the dichotomy, I think. Okay. So if you're feeling that you're with your family and you have like this guilt you know oh, no, i should be working right now because i have all these spending things and i run a company i do all these things or vice versa right like if you're spending late hours at work and then you're thinking oh i should be playing with my children right now it's saturday or it's sunday afternoon i probably should be doing that yeah so as long as you have that dichotomy i think you have a conflict inherently so the only way to solve that riddle is actually to get out of it and elevate into a higher purpose and the higher purpose needs to be associated with an energy level i think so the the way to solve the puzzle is like don't look at the pieces of the puzzle but look at the level above and say okay what can what do i want to achieve in terms of energy for myself in my life if it's uh, a lot of theories about different types of energy levels but there's like uh, the Dr. Hawking map of consciousness that really lays out like 20 different energy levels. And the higher you up is where Jesus was, is in complete enlightenment. And down at the bottom is Shane when you want to, you're next to suicide. And L, humanity is in one of those levels. So if you reformulate your purpose as to, hey, I want to achieve this energy level in my life, like love or like uh, joy, then everything comes into perspective because you're like, oh, wow, yeah, well, I'm delivering love through my work and delivering love to my family and to people that surround me. And as long as you are at that level of, you know, personal performance, really, it's what it is, then everything seems to fall in place 
and you start having these like weird questions of dichotomy between personal or career. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Do you recommend any books for people to read to explore a bit more of that or courses or videos? Oh, yeah, there's uh, quite a bit. I mean, but there, anything that uh, his name is David Hawking. And it's actually yes. like the best yeah. kept secret because not many people know about it. Power versus Force was one of the books that became like the uh, cornerstones of his work. But he published like 20 books, if I'm not mistaken. There's a lot of them. And uh, just read them. I mean, the, the titles will speak to you as to which one you should read next. Mm. But out of everything, I mean, I've been spending a lot of time on this journey. I went through the intellectualization of my problems and going through study the great philosophers and religions of the Far East. And really, the answer is a lot more simpler. And it's Hawking that I really have guided me through that process. And nice. uh, so that's that's really the gist of it. Very, very cool. Another thing I'd love to uncover, because we're coming up against this challenge now that people have been working remote, perhaps longer than they expected. And the culture of the agency is sort of degrading because, you know, in the past they had their team nights out or their pizza Fridays or, you know, they're, they're kind of struggling because of that connection. How do you foster a really good culture in your remote agency? The first thing to do is actually to define what the culture is. Define culture and define it in a very deep, detailed way because culture may be a fuzzy concept, but it doesn't need to be. And uh, it's founded in core values of the company. But so what are the things that you hold close to the chest? and uh, that you really believe in things that are first principles if you would always true and as soon as you can define those then you can break those down into behaviors so each core value has a set of behaviors that are observable and measurable measurable even in a subjective way is fine because i mean it's human interactions right so how does it feel to deal with you claudia uh, well it feels great i mean uh, but in what sense so if I don't have a framework to understand my feelings in an interaction I'm having with you, it's very tough to put it into, into to perspective. So first thing you had to do is like codify the culture, break down the behaviors associated with each one of those core values. And then one of our core components of the culture is our purpose, is joy. I mean, mm. the, purpose, the very reason why the company exists is joy. <laughs> so we'll, we have to figure out ways to be joyful every day at work. And it's not about just telling a joke here and there. Yes, we do have the Thursday night uh, beers or sometimes we take an afternoon uh, time to, to have a coffee break or even a party. Cinco de Mayo online on Zoom was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. Uh, and we have uh, somebody like raising their hand and say, hey, I want to organize this thing. And they will prepare activities and uh, treasure hunts in your house and... <laughs> dances and all that stuff so it's been fun I mean it's not the same of no, course but right. I mean we've always been remote anyway so we have yeah. to go through that Amazing. and then associating company goals to like say if we hit the goal of x amount of profit or growth etc we'll get together you know all expenses paid and uh, of course we have to wait for the pandemic to go away first but <laughs> but yeah it's uh, it, it's a balance you know in which city are you located in, Eduardo? In I'm country. I'm country hopping, well, more than country hopping, between California, oh. Baja, and uh, and Lebanon, Beirut. Right now, I'm in Beirut. Oh wow, 
that's very (laughs) international (laughs) (laughs) yeah and another thing that you figured out that this this is an agency major agency kind of I guess something that keeps them awake at night is how to choose the right clients like what makes a good fit client and we all know the story in the beginning when you start the agency you say yes to everyone (laughs) and then some of them regret what what is your how do you make that differentiation between what is a good fit and a bad fit client for your agency actually it goes back to the first point of like tying to your inner purpose Mm. your work with family and defining as a level of energy like in our case we define our purpose as joy right and that also ties with my personal purpose which guides everything like everything every relationship you have including client relationships need to be at the core joyful. And we start defining what joy means in terms of relationship with a client. Well, they have to be intrinsically motivated because we know when somebody like really has a passion to do something good for the world through their right. software, through their business. then it's actually a very different dynamic to deal with that person versus the one that has, let's just grow at all costs, even rubbing on the unethical. Mm. that's not cool you know so if you let that principle guide you then it becomes very simple and then we have treats to identify on when we're communicating with the client okay do they really they have this intrinsic motivation to help someone and make someone's lives better through their product okay yes check how does that manifest well their team are happy their team are motivated their team have uh, seem to have a good dynamic. There's no BS politics inside the company. They all seem focused on genuinely helping their customers be successful. If we want to, to see how they treat their customers, we go see the reviews. I mean, do they have good reviews online? Mm. Do they seem you know pleasant people to work with? Uh, yeah. Are they strategically minded? You know, yeah. are they strategically minded versus tactical next month execution and then forget about strategy so yeah. it's uh, it changes everything i love that because a lot of that information you can find out online you know through various reviews and testimonials and things like that mm-hmm. but also observing them in the meetings and the interactions that you have I love that yeah very very interesting way of looking at how to choose and if they have a purpose that is bigger than themselves which is what you have for your agency and then that will match I really like that like we were just talking before the show that we're so lucky to be in digital marketing because despite the dip that you had with those businesses then things came you know really like started to balloon I I I know myself, I've never been so grateful to be in in an industry like this, especially because we've been doing it so long, like talking about online websites, digital marketing, when people didn't know anything about it. And now it was extremely essential. Apart from that great G2 article that came out and, and how you gave some focus, what are the other changes that you made last year that helped to kind of keep the trajectory of growth going in your business? Well, one thing that we were starting to do that we propelled and accelerated actually is the implementation of a framework to grow ourselves as a services business. And we used, um, there was traction, there was scale up, scaling up with uh, from Bernie Hash, the, the yes. Rockefeller habits. Yeah. 
So I decided for that one and actually hired a consultant to be by our side and guide us through the process of fully implementing the scaling up program. So the Rockefeller Habits 2.0, if you would. And that's what we've been following. We accelerated that process. Um, we have a bi-weekly call with, with our consultant that guide us through how to actually execute some of those things. And then that allows us to do those like formalize or one page strategic plan for the company, one page personal plans for everybody in the company, and then the methodology and the cadence to have the, the rituals and the routines, you know, to actually execute and achieve the goals we have set for ourselves, set up the reward systems We're in the middle of that, that, and then redoubling on the SaaS focus. And then actually one, one thing that was, you know, transformational also last year, we started really painting the vision of Market8 in a big way. Like I was like sitting down and closing our eyes in the, we, I selected an executive team out of all the team members. Everybody was reporting to me and well, even informally or formally, I was like, I cannot do this. You know, I had to have like a core team of five people. That's it. And we'll drive together the direction of, of the company. And another thing that we did is like set up like really spend some time in the vision of the company. What do we want to be when we grow up? What is our big, hairy, audacious goal? Like like <laughs> Vernon Harnish put it, right? That's right, yeah. So, yeah, it's. Uh, I think those are the, the main points. They're the main things. Um, a question I've been asking agency owners recently, and I'm, I'm loving hearing the answers. If I metaphorically came along and took the keys from you of your business and said, that's it now, I'm taking over this business, what would you do next? Well, we have a spin-off company <laughs> at okay. the agency. Like we're using a, uh, we're developing a culture platform and the name of the product is Culturely or culture.ly. Yeah. And this culture platform, which it's, it's, it's basically the means, I started calling it peer-to-peer -peer feedback. It's a platform <laughs> for peer-to-peer -peer feedback. Okay. But you know what? We're changing that because feedback is misconstrued into... Exactly. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm going to get defensive. Um, I'm going to be on the lookout for this feedback, what my peers are saying about me. And it feels like a 360. Yes. And it's not that at all. No. So we're, we're going to be thinking about the concept of peer-to-peer -peer coaching instead. So coaching, I mean, it's, 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 it's good, right? I mean, it's good for you. It's going to help you grow. It's going to be, help you become a better person. Right. So culturally, it's probably what I will do if I close Market 8, just completely focus on culturally as a, as a way to help people grow within organizations and actually use each other as coaches. So that's probably what I would do. Uh, there's another activity that I have, this angel investing. I really yeah. enjoy speaking to, to founders that are, you know, exhibit those characteristics that we mentioned earlier as intrinsic motivation, really having a passion for having an impact in, in someone's life and making something better. And I'd love to just dedicate more time to that and support more, more companies through angel investing, or if I manage to grow this fund, maybe series A, et cetera. Very, very cool. Yeah. I love, I love that. So you wouldn't be at a loss of things to do. You wouldn't go and lie on an island, a tropical island. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think so. Even if I had decided to move to a tropical island, I think I'll still do these things from there. <laughs> I know, right? It's just yeah. in our blood, you know, that's something that we do. We just, um, a lot of people that kind of don't understand that this is the way we are structured. We want to do these things. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. What are you looking forward to over the next few years? You've got these side projects on the go. What are you looking forward to both uh, personally and professionally? 
looking forward to we'll we'll keep walking towards the this purpose of joy that is something that we have to be present further like bringing the best possible team together and actually help them achieve this same state of joy because then everything like magic happens right when that when that all that comes together i'll say continue to align our processes i mean we have a lot of things going on and frameworks that we're even developing to help SaaS companies grow. So we're going to continue to align ourselves to the winners because the winners have this like positive mindset mm. of uh, of joy and intrinsic motivation. And if we align ourselves to that, then we have to be at par, right? So we have to align our processes or team, make sure we're up to the level. As a means to that, you know, I'm launching a SaaS academy to teach these frameworks first to our team because we're doing like, you know, high scale mode. So I'm bringing new team members and they need to, I need a much more efficient way to, to teach them all these frameworks and mentality mindset, you know, and this SaaS Academy is going to be that first internally. And then we'll see if we publish it to the world. And, and that's it. I think those are the main points. That's enough to be going on with. How different did you find traveling over the last year <laughs> and a bit with, with your family, was it as well? Or Actually, no, I went alone to California for a few yeah. months to see my parents and help them out because they're alone in Mexico in the midst of the pandemic. So I was there supporting wow. them. So, I mean, this in August, it's going to be the first time we travel in two years as a family. So, yeah, I've not traveled at all, you know, except for that emergency trip they have to make. I had yeah. to make. Yeah, apart from that one. <laughs> things are all opened up in Beirut. There things, how is the country? Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it appears so that uh, everything is fine now. I mean, we went uh, on a weekend to some town here in the in the north. And uh, everything seemed open and looks like numbers are down. Vaccinations are, are happening. So things are getting better for sure. Amazing. Well, Eduardo, it was great to catch up with you. So good to see you again. Thank you so much for sharing all these wonderful insights. And if there's a software company out there listening and they'd love to get in touch or somebody would like to learn more about the agency, what's the best place to get in touch with you? In LinkedIn. Just look for Eduardo Esparza in LinkedIn. I'll put the links Um, into the show notes for this as well. That's for sure the best way. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your lovely insights. Really love you sharing some of the story. And we hopefully we'll get to meet again in person <laughs> at some event or something or other over the next uh, year or so. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. My pleasure. 